Warning labels are on everything these days, and some should go without saying. Like the one on a Razor scooter that says, This product moves when used. Or, Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. <laughs> you can have all the smarts in the world, but it doesn't necessarily make you wise. We want to hear that voice say, You have chosen Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Everyone wants wisdom, but it seems hard to come by these days. Today, Robert Quintana shares two ways you can obtain wisdom that comes straight from the wisest man who ever lived. In his message, A Word to the Wise. You have chosen wisely. One of the most famous lines in all of Hollywood, one of the most famous quotes, you have chosen wisely. I don't know about you, but this happens in my life. I have those two phrases playing in the background of my life. There are things that I say, sometimes things that I do, and I hear a little voice behind me say, you chose poorly. But then there are times when I do something good, I do something positive, I may say a kind word or I may say something positive and I hear that voice in the back of my mind said, you have chosen wisely. We have these two voices playing in the back of our minds, right? And I know because I know you because I know me that we all desire to choose wisely. We want to hear that voice constantly, right? We want to hear that affirmation of God saying, you have chosen wisely. You have done the right thing. You said exactly the right thing. We don't want to hear God saying to us, uh, you've chosen poorly in this instance, right? And so we all desire to be wise. Now you need to understand that wisdom is very different to knowledge. You see, knowledge is understanding facts Knowledge is understanding step one, two, and three and how you get to the answer. Knowledge is simply knowing facts and figures. Wisdom, on the other hand, is a lot deeper. It's a lot stronger. It goes a step further. You see, because wisdom involves experience, involves common sense. Wisdom is taking that knowledge and applying it properly to day-to-day life. If you look up the word wisdom, most dictionaries will always associate the word wisdom with discernment. In other words, wisdom allows you to discern properly between good and bad, between good and evil, between what's right and wrong. And so wisdom allows you to take that knowledge that you know in life and apply it in the right way taking into consideration the experiences that you've been through in life, taking into consideration other people's experiences, taking into consideration maybe what the Word of God says. Wisdom takes that knowledge and it gives you the ability to discern what's right from wrong and then makes, allows you to make the right decision so that you can hear that phrase, you have chosen wisely. Every one of us here today faces decisions in life. Some of those decisions are big. Some of those decisions are small. Some of them are very important. Maybe some of them aren't so important. 
But we all face decisions in life and every one of us desires to make the right decision. We want to hear that voice say, you have chosen wisely. And you know, we deal with all kinds of decisions, relationship decisions that we need to make. Do I enter into a relationship with them? Do I need to leave this relationship? Do I venture into this business or do I not? Is it time to buy or is it time to sell? How do I interact with my kids who need to be disciplined at this moment? There are decisions that we go to. What school do I need to go to? There are decisions that we face every day of our lives. And we need wisdom in order to make the right decisions. So every one of us desires wisdom. And so today's message is somewhat simple because I just want to share with you two ways that we can acquire wisdom. Now, how many of you want wisdom? Raise your hand. We all desire wisdom, right? So here we go. Two easy ways that we can acquire wisdom. The first one is found in the book of James. The first one is found in James chapter 1, verse 5. Two ways that we can acquire wisdom. Here's the first way. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberty and without reproach and it might be given to him. I'm sorry? And it will or it shall be given to you. So here's one way, one easy way for us to acquire wisdom. We want wisdom. We all desire it. We all want to make the right choices in life. Here's an easy way for you to acquire wisdom. Ask God. The Bible says to go before him if you lack wisdom. And I'll tell you that the more wisdom you have, the more you realize you need more of. So if you're someone here today that says, you know what, I don't need wisdom. I don't lack wisdom. Chances are you need a lot of it. Okay? So... If anyone lacks wisdom, which that's all of us, it says what? Let him ask of God. And the Bible says that he will give liberally. The the Bible says that he will give without reproach. The Bible says that he shall, that he will give it to you. So maybe something that you need to start including in your prayer life is God, give me wisdom. It seems like I'm making bad decisions It seems like I just can't break through, like I'm not breaking through. It just seems as though I'm always confused and I don't know what to do. Maybe it's time for you to start asking God for a little bit of wisdom. And when you kneel down by your bedside or when you're driving to work and when you find yourself in that prayer time, you need to ask God, God, I am lacking wisdom. I want to be able to do the right things. I want to be able to make the right decisions. I want to be able to hear that voice that says, you have chosen wisely. So give me wisdom. Give me the wisdom that you've promised you would give me. Start praying it. You know, we have an example in scripture of someone who asked for wisdom and he got it. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. Here, we are kind of jumping in the middle of King Solomon's story. King Solomon, the son of King David, before David died, he appointed his son Solomon to be king. They say that they were alive 
while Solomon ruled for about three years. So Solomon was king for about three years um, before David died. But, but here, listen to what it says in verse 5. So 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Okay, so here we go, right? It's the genie in the bottle story of the Bible, right? So God appears to Solomon and he says, okay, Solomon, I'm going to give you one wish. You can ask of me whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure that I would have chosen wisdom. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think I'm, I, I, I would have been that wise to ask for wisdom. And, and put yourself in those shoes. I mean, put yourself in those shoes. If God came to you right now and he said, I'll give you one wish. Whatever you want, I will give it to you. Huh? What, what would you choose? Wealth, fame, power, uh, maybe something as simple as I just want to get from underneath this, this house, that, this debt. God, I, I just, you know, I just want to find peace in my family. God, I just want to restore my marriage. I, I don't know what it might be. There, there's all kinds of things that we would go before God and say, God, if there's one thing that, that I want that you're going to give me, this, this is the one thing I would want. Listen, the Bible tells us to share the desires of your hearts before God. So we've already talked about asking God for wisdom in prayer. But, but can I just add something on to this? That whatever it is that you might be going through, whatever difficulty, whatever it is that you're asking God, God, I really need you to step through and work this out in my life. Go ahead and ask that. Share the desires of your heart with God. I'm not sure that I would have chosen wisdom. But this is what the Bible says. He was asked this question, and in verse 6, Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because we walked before you in truth, in righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, he says, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. And so what Solomon asked for is wisdom. Lord, give me the wisdom. Give me the knowledge. Give me the understanding so that I can discern between right and wrong, so that I can pass judgment according to your ways, according to your policies, according to your commandments. So Lord, give me wisdom. And so here we have an example of someone acquiring wisdom by simply asking God for it. God came to him and said, what is it that you want? And so he says, I want wisdom. And so 
God was pleased with this answer. He was so pleased with this answer that if you read the next few verses, you'll find out that God was so ecstatic and so happy that Solomon had chosen wisdom that he goes on to say, listen, you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for power. You didn't ask for any of these other things. You chose wisdom. He says, guess what? Not only if I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all the other things you didn't ask for. That's how happy God was with that. It kind of reminds me of that one verse that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. You know, a lot of life is about priorities. It's about setting the right priorities in life. And here, we're kind of given a little priority. It's important to seek God and seek wisdom from God, understanding that if we seek wisdom from God, all these other things God will take care of. Where it wasn't too long before he was able to put this wisdom into practice, starting with verse 16, a very interesting story, one that I know if you grew up in the church, you've probably read before. But here, two women come before King Solomon, and they have this, this argument, this complaint They both come before him claiming that the the child that is there with them belongs to them. In other words, each woman is saying, I am the mother of this child. And the one mom says, no, this is my child and this is how it happened and this is how this woman took this child from me. And the other woman said, no, she is lying. This is my child. I gave birth to this child and and she's the one that's lying and they're going back and forth, back and forth. And King Solomon calls one of his servants and he says, bring me a sword. A sword, huh? Now, see, wisdom is a funny thing. You see, because wisdom has the ability to look at the big picture. Wisdom has the ability to see step one, step two, step three, and see how it all plays out. Where knowledge or self-gratification might say, this is what I want now, and this is what I can afford right now, so I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, I'll put it on the credit card, but I'm just going to go ahead and get it right now. Wisdom takes a step back and says, wait a second. If you buy this now and you put it on your credit card now, what is that going to mean a year or two or three years from now? You see, wisdom has a way of looking at the big picture. And this is why, one of the reasons why it's important for us to have wisdom and to acquire wisdom. And see, Solomon doesn't get caught up there in the details. He takes a step back and he looks at the big picture and he calls for a sword. And so he's handed that sword and he says, bring me that child. I'm going to cut that child in half and give half of it to one and the other half to the other. Now, everyone there was probably like, what? What are you thinking? Solomon, what what are you doing? We can't do that. But see, wisdom sees the big picture. Wisdom sees things playing out. And so he says, bring me a sword. I'm going to chop this child in half. 
And of course, for those of you that know the story, you know what happens, right? The real mom of the child starts crying and begging, no, no, please don't kill the child. Please don't kill the child. If that's what you're going to do, then I will gladly give the child up. Just give, give the child to, to her just as long as the child may live. Wisdom. Solomon was able to determine and discern what was right, what was wrong. He was able to take a step back and say, I see the big picture. I see how this is going to play out. And he did something that at first didn't make much sense. But as it played out, it worked out to the good. And so that day, the real mom went home with her child. Wisdom. Wisdom is important. We need to seek it. We need to long for it. And one of the ways that we can get it is simply by asking God. And here real quickly in just a short story, you can see the importance that it can have in your life. The second way that we can acquire wisdom is I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The second way that we can acquire wisdom. The first is by asking The second, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In order to understand this passage, we have to spend a little bit of time with the word fear. You see, because unfortunately, when we think of the word fear, it usually kind of, you know, kind of doesn't sit well with us. It kind of wells up feelings of of, uh, negative feelings and negative emotions, right? When we think of fear, when we think of, of things that we fear. You know, I remember going to a nature center once and and they had the reptile display. And I love reptiles. And, and part of this reptile display was, was their snakes. And I love snakes. I used to have a pet snake. His name, ironically, was Phobos, which is the Greek word for fear, which is where we get the word phobia from. And he was a ball python. He got to about five feet long. He was a beautiful thing. I just love snakes. I love the way they, they slither you know, around the way they, they hug your arm and sometimes they crawl around your neck. And, you know, I just, I, wait, wait, I just, I just saw a lot of you just squirming in your pews and, and, and yeah, that's right. There's a lot of people that fear snakes. Well, I have to admit, just on the other side of the nature center, there were the insects and one of the rangers that was there had a tarantula in his hand. Now, I didn't think I was afraid of spiders, you know, because whenever I see a spider at home, depending on my day, I either squish it or I, you know, I take the time and find a little cup and try and trap it and put it outside, you know? No big deal. Okay, but a tarantula? Those things are huge and they're hairy. And so I'm looking off from a distance. I'm looking at this, at this ranger handling this tarantula, you know, just kind of walking along his hand and up his arm. And, and then he would, you know, put his hand here and then it'd come to this hand. And, and, and then there were nine and 10 and 
12-year-olds that were in line and, and they, oh, I want to try, I want to try. So then he would put the tarantula on, on their hand. And what I didn't realize was that I was in line and, and I, was, I was getting closer and closer and I was just fascinated. And finally he looks at me and he says, it's your turn, are you ready? And well, there's all these kids around, I'm not going to say no, right? And so I said, okay, I I guess I am. And so I stick my hand out, and as I see this tarantula coming towards me, I go, wait a second, let me think through this. And so he said, no, no, it's okay. And little kids are tugging on me, come on, hurry up, hurry up. I want to go, I want to go. And so, okay, I can do this. As soon as I see that tarantula coming, nope, 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 wait, wait. I have to admit, I turned around and I left without that tarantula touching me. I felt such fear, fear that I have never in my life felt before. I did promise myself that if I ever have an opportunity to do that again, I will, I will take hold of the tarantula. But I I felt this fear overcome, right? And I know that there are some of you that have that same fear of spiders. And so when we think of the word fear, we oftentimes think of things that are negative. Things that well up within us are these negative emotions. Emotions that make us want to run away. Emotions that make us want to protect ourselves. And so when we think of fear, it usually isn't a good thing, which is why it's sometimes hard to understand passages like this, and really passages throughout all of Scripture that say, fear God. You must fear God. And, you know, and then we grow up with this mentality that, you know, God is this mean God up there and he's just waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you. And you're not supposed to be doing that and you're not supposed to be doing this. And, and we think of this God as this tyrant, as this, as this cop this, that's out to get you to, to, to find you doing something wrong. When in reality, that's not what this word is saying. So let me try and just Without getting too complicated here, let me just kind of break this down for you, okay? In the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there are a whole bunch of words that are used to describe fear, or I should say that we translate as fear, okay? There are the fear that I've just talked about that talk about the bad kind of fear, Okay, but believe it or not, the Bible talks about this good kind of fear. But there are several words in the Old Testament and New Testament, all of which we translate as fear. The easiest way to understand this is that all of these words basically fall into two categories. The first category is the bad kind of fear. Okay, the kind of fear that makes you want to retreat. There's that bad kind of fear, which, by the way, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. This bad, sinful 
fear. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. No, he's giving us a spirit of, of power, love, and of sound mind. So God wants to be clear. I have nothing to do with that kind of fear, okay? But then the Bible talks about a different kind of fear, which falls in this category over here, which is the good fear, the good kind of fear. What does this word mean? What does this word fear mean? Basically, it means you stand in awe of God. Basically, it means that when you experience God, you walk away thinking, God, you are awesome. You are unbelievable. You are incredible. I cannot believe what you have done. I cannot believe what you have allowed me to experience. I fear you. I am in reverence of you. I respect you because how awesome you are. And there you stand in awe of him. You are fearing him. The Bible says that there, that that emotion, that feeling, what you are experiencing there, that is the beginning of wisdom. There are two ways that we can acquire wisdom. One is to simply ask for it. The second way is a little, little bit more work, but I think it's work that's worth it. And, and that little work that we need to do is seek those experiences with God so that we can stand in awe of Him. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. We all have to make difficult decisions sometimes. And next week, we hope you can listen in as Robert Quintana offers a solution for a way to keep your heart in check when making those difficult decisions. And his message, not for the faint of heart. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.